Hello, this is your host, Paul Harvey from Life, Passion and Business. So I'm taking a couple of weeks break from some of the editing duties around here while I swan around the country seeing people and doing all sorts of exciting things I will tell you more about in the new season. In the meantime, what with superfoods still being all the rage, I thought I'll take us back to a conversation with Janice Klein. Now, she's a fermentation specialist and deals with kombuchas and fermented foods. It's a lovely conversation about how gut bacteria is supported by your diet. I hope you enjoy the conversation with Janice Klein. My name is Paul Harvey, and you are listening to Life, Passion and Business, a podcast born out of my desire to find greater meaning in life at the time when I thought there was none. Since that day, I have spoken to hundreds of people, and what I have discovered is that our story is everything, because what we do, feel or experience is based on the stories that we tell ourselves. It's time to explore what it means to live a good life. How do we make this experience better? And more importantly, how do we lead the world to a better place? And again, you've got all the probiotic benefits in the kombucha as well. So you drink stuff that tastes absolutely amazing and you feel really smug knowing that it's doing you so much good as well. But again, as I say, I'm a science geek. So, I mean, for me, in my house and my kitchen, it's like there's signs of stuff bubbling everywhere. I've got sourdough starters. I've got dairy kefir. I've got soya kefir. I've got all my kombuchas. I've got cupboards full of fermenting veggies. So we can all relate to food. It is an emotive subject and stirs memories, both good and sometimes not so good. Who remembers dreadful dinner dates or childhood associations? I have a horror story around sprouts that stopped me eating them for years. But on the most part, some of my best memories with friends, lovers or family are related to food and drink. Yes, I am a foodie. Cooking and sharing food is my thing. Food is never far from my mind. I know what I'll be cooking on most days and I love to experiment. So when I first met Janice Klein, it was with some excitement. Janice is a fermented food specialist. And while most of us know of our fermented drinks and our fermented flour, bread, there's a whole world of fermentation that is both fun and it has enormous benefits to our health. I first met Janet in the Change Your World coaching group. Now, Facebook groups have engagement and it's often a bit variable, but this week, Janice had people sharing photos of food, exploring all sorts of new possibilities. I was hooked and I could see a whole new area of taste and flavour and possibility opening up before me. So Janice started her career as a food research scientist. She got her degree and went on to study for a PhD project in the whiskey industry, working on the aging process using different types of oak barrels. The work was interesting, however, she fell pregnant during that time and so she left the, left the PhD to have her first child. And four girls later, she had become an obsessive food fermenter, food grower, educator and teacher of healthy choices. This conversation is her journey through sourdough, kombucha, kefir, kimchi, kraut and fermented veggies. She is passionate to share her knowledge about the magical world of microbes and gut health. Did you know that 80% of our immune system starts in the gut? Janice is the founder of the Nourish by Nature blog. 
that is dedicated, some may obsessed, with addressing the fast food convenience and throwaway society. She is determined to address today's chronic health issues by introducing people to the health-affirming and delicious world of fermented food and drinks. For her, it's about informing, supporting and enabling people of all ages and backgrounds to enjoy better health through making better, informed food choices, getting back into their kitchens and bringing the joy and pleasure back into cooking and the eating of real food. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did with Janice Klein. So do check out the links in the show notes for her celebration cookbook, and it's, it is spot on for this festive season. Welcome to Life, Passion and Business. Another day, another podcast, and today I am so excited to be with Janice Klein. Now, I've known Janice for a while because I was in a coaching group with her, and I tell you what... I've, well, look, I won't spoil the surprise. This is going to be fantastic. So Janice is a fermentation expert. Make of that what you will. It's not what you think. Janice, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, good morning, Paul. Thanks so much for inviting me. Great to chat to you. It's going to be great because I know you're a fermentation expert. I have seen, but it's all about food. This is kombucha. This is about health and living well through the, through the stomach. <laughs> Yeah, give me a footnote. <laughs> <laughs> so, Janice, look, okay, you didn't start out in the world of fermentation. What was the story? This is, you know, this is life, passion, and business. You're clearly passionate about the food and things that you create. Where did it all begin? Uh, well, I actually started out as a food scientist. Um, I worked in research in food science for a period of about nine, ten years. Um, and um, I've always been interested in food and health and well-being. Um, but then I, I was actually doing a PhD in um, maturation of Scottish whiskey, and I discovered I was expecting my first daughter. So um, I decided to chuck the PhD and just throw myself full full on into being a mum. Um, mm. A couple of years later, another uh, daughter came along, and then I just decided I'm a very old-fashioned girl at heart. I just wanted to stay at home and look after the girl. So I took a career break, and uh, to be honest, didn't really quite go back. <laughs> having too much fun I then had another two girls so I've got four girls um, and then I did various other things and then I studied macrobiotics um, in mm. 2011 which really was very interesting I mean um, most people think of Gwyneth Paltrow when you think of macrobiotics macrobiotics means big life uh, and it's all about balance and it's a lot of Chinese sort of the you know, medicine, whatever in it as well. But it's, it's predominantly about food and it's about diet and it's how diet affects our health. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, I hadn't really thought about it so much in those terms. I mean, I've always enjoyed good food and making food myself. And, you know, I was aware that, you know, what we actually does create our health, but the microbiotic thing brought the whole thing into a much higher sort of significance for me. Started off fermenting and making sauerkraut which wasn't great, I have to say. The microbiotic sauerkraut wasn't great. And I've since... So let, made, let, let's, let's get to that bit, because I want to I unpack some. You you kind of went over... I think you just covered like 30 years very, really quickly. Yeah. So, <laughs> so let's go back to the very beginning. And when you said you you were a research scientist and you were studying ageing of Scottish whiskey, was that the, yeah. was that your first initial involvement in fermentation? 
Uh, well, yeah, I guess you could say it was, although it wasn't so much on the practical side. I was doing a, a lot of um, the sensory work. So I was a sensory analyst. So I was doing, um, we had, it was a project that worked um, two sides. We had a guy who was doing all the chemical analysis uh, of all the flavour compounds in the whiskey, and I was doing the sensory stuff. So I set up panels to get people to nose the, we didn't taste them, obviously, I would have ended up with some of them were awful because we started off with totally immature whiskey mm. and took it through you know we were looking actually at using different ta- uh, casks for maturing the whiskey traditionally mm. it was used sherry casks mm. but we were doing a wee experiment where we'd actually charred new casks and we were going to age the whiskey and see check the flavor profile through a normal maturation and just to see you know if there was if it was comparable at all um, it wasn't really. There were similarities, but there wasn't. So that's what my PhD was actually in. I was in it, as I say, in the first year of it. But I had worked in all sorts of other foods um, as well. But yeah, I guess that was the first one. In so, so it sounds like food has always been something you worked in. You were always involved yeah. in food. Yeah, well, I worked with Warburton's the bread people um, as well for a two-year project. So that's how I knew I knew quite a lot about bread. Now I make sourdough, so I know about you know a lot about mm. that. My first project was actually working um, with rice. Um, and we were looking at a new rice milling process. So I had a whole load of Malaysian students that came down. They were my panel of rice tasters. Uh, and the lab was full of um, beakers. We had, obviously, everything has to be totally standardised. I had all my rice cookers. and uh, I had, <laughs> It was fun. It actually was fun. I mean, I, from a science point of view, a lot of the, the people that I worked with were real science boffins. I mean, yeah. they, they didn't relate very well with people. My thing was, actually, I love doing all the people stuff. So they're getting people to come down to, you know, to taste all the things and to rope people in and to enthuse people about what you were doing. That I that was actually what I really enjoyed doing. So it sounds like even though you were doing a science experiment and you're working from a scientist's perspective, you were still preparing food on some level. Yeah, well, I was actually, but again, I, I did a master's in analytical biochemistry. So I started off, I was doing a lot of the chemical testing of things, but then I discovered that I was more interested in the sensory side. So mm. any food stuff that you're going to be doing any tests on ultimately it has to be acceptable to the end user or what is the point you can measure as many things as you like but if people think oh well actually I don't want to buy that I worked also with Beecham's and Ribena um, for a couple of years that was really interesting as well because we discovered that Ribena people actually didn't relate Ribena to blackcurrant Ribena was known as a separate thing everyone recognized Ribena uh, which is quite bizarre because if you look at most black currant drinks, a lot of them are like really quite tart, really quite unusual. Then you get the really sweetened ones. So Ribena was actually known as a separate thing. So again, as I say, to me, that was really interesting. There's a lot of flavor profiling, a lot of statistics, a lot of graphs and, you know, positioning products and different things. But it was fun. It really was fun. And as I say, from a science point of view, I was one of the few that actually enjoyed communicating with people and getting mm. people to come down. The rest of them are all, you know, too much boffins in their head doing all the research papers and stuff. But I enjoyed all the practical side of it. So is that, I mean, that sounds like food's always been a passion for you. Did that come from an early age? Did that come from a family thing? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I came from, I mean, my mum stayed at home and looked after us, a family of three. And my mum obviously came from a 
you know, a working class background, didn't really have very much money, but my mum, you know, made the most of everything, you know, that she had. You know, people grew things though in the, those days. Everyone grew some stuff. Everyone ate seasonally. Nobody had fridges. Nobody had money to go and stock up. You know, so we used to just eat what was in season, which is actually the right way to eat. I lived in Wishaw, which was near the Clyde Valley. So in the summer, we used to go and pick our own raspberries and strawberries, and they were the most wonderful, wonderful things. But you only got them when they were in season. Mm. You know, and it's the same with salad. You only eat salad in the summer. Uh, you know, and then, but now what happens is people eat the same stuff all year round. Uh, and there's, it's not the same nutritional value at all, nor is it the same flavour, because everything has been standardised. And a lot of people, they don't, you know, choose things by flavour. They go with what things look like. So a lot of the stuff you get, people will go, oh, I'm going to have that big, shiny red apple. You get it and it tastes of nothing. So... I'd rather yeah. go back to the way that we were when things were more natural, Paul. So I'm all about natural. Um, uh, and as I said, I, I really am very old fashioned. So my mum stayed at home, looked after us. She baked, she cooked. So I, I grew up doing all that kind of stuff. And when I had my own girls, I was lucky enough that I was able to take a break and just look after them. And I had mm. the best time. I grow, I mean, I love gardening. My first degree is agricultural chemistry. Um, uh, so, I mean, I love gardening and soil. And I was actually on the Beach Grove Garden many years ago, um, twice. So that was quite exciting. Um, but I, I just like, you know, the way when, when life was simpler, we've overcomplicated everything. And I don't like the way that life is going at all at the moment. So I, I, I just heart back to simpler times where, you know, people knew how to cook because so many people now have no idea how to cook anything at all. And a lot of people also don't link what they eat and what their lifestyle is with their health. And mm. that's my big thing. And really, as I say, is look at our health these days. It's just a disaster. So that's really become is. your that's become your passion thing. You, you you as you said, you did the you you studied microbiotic macrobiotics. Yeah. And that what caught your attention in that? Why were you so what what was so fascinating about that? Well, it was actually it was actually a good friend of mine who was out in Portugal. She was a macrobiotic expert, her and her husband, and they came back to Scotland. Um, and it was just an opportunity, another business venture that I had was coming to an end. And I thought, perfect timing. You know, it was just one of these things, thought I'll do that. I didn't really understand the whole ins and outs of it, but I wanted to support her. So I signed up for the course. Um, and actually, as I say, actually, I really enjoyed it, but I also discovered... It was too narrow a way to live, and I don't like people telling me how to live my life. Yeah, because there's no meat. There's no meat in a macrobiotic diet. It's all. It's all. There's no meat. Well, I personally don't eat meat, but again, as I say, I don't think. I think life and food, in particular, is not up to someone else to tell us Mm. how to eat. There is no one way of eating that suits everyone. And there is so much guilt and fear around food. Oh, don't eat this. You can't eat that. What I try and do is to look at all the amazing stuff you can eat, which just happens to be plant-based. I don't eat meat personally now. I haven't eaten meat for about 10 years. That's my personal choice. Um, but I mean, I love animals and I don't want to eat them. I don't miss meat because I eat lots of other things. But anyways, I say the whole macrobiotic um, course was very interesting because it started me on the journey of you know thinking okay uh, eat their sauerkraut okay it didn't taste great but it has benefits for your health and then I discovered kombucha um which it was actually I discovered an article it was Ronald Reagan at the time who had a stomach cancer and he had attributed drinking kombucha to his recovery from stomach cancer and I wow. know what it did well but that's what piqued my interest and I thought oh that sounds interesting but this was 
10 years ago before anyone really knew what kombucha was but now there's been there's a massive interest now in the kimchi kombucha kefir a lot of people now are aware of it because you know there's a, he a heck of a lot of research being done and all of these foods are essentially living foods they are probiotic foods they are foods that contain you know live bacteria that can really benefit our health mm -hmm. and they taste absolutely amazing and when you learn how to make them yourself, they're incredibly cheap to make. And it's just fantastic fun. It's like having a whole load of wee living pets. So as I say, I discovered kombucha and then I bought some because um, you couldn't buy it. It was very difficult to find it then. And it was five, nearly five pounds for a bottle. I remember ordering it and I got it. And kombucha is like a fermented green tea. So it's a wee bit of an acquired taste. And I tried, I had a glass and I thought, oh, that's a bit strange. Didn't know if I liked it or not. So I put it in the fridge and every time I went past the fridge, I had to open the fridge and have another glass. There was something in it that my body was absolutely craving. And before I knew it, I had drank the whole bottle, which I would not recommend anyone to do because kombucha is a powerful, powerful drink. It's a living drink. It's very detoxifying. Um, I mean, I didn't have any side effects from drinking it. I just couldn't stop drinking. I couldn't get enough of it. So I decided it was far too expensive. So I started brewing my own about 10 years ago. Um, and uh, as I say, I just, yeah, I make coffee kombucha, all sorts of different drinks. And I have it all the time now. I make coffee um, yeah, kombucha cocktails and I do water kefir. Uh, I discovered milk kefir as well. So I do soya kefir, milk kefir. I use it for my skin. Um, so it's just been a very interesting journey, Paul, and one that I am absolutely fascinated in. It's the magical world of microbes, which essentially what they do is they just transform foods and drinks into a much more healthy version and a living version, you know, of that food or that drink. Mm. Uh, and again, these days there's so much interest in gut health. That's where everything comes from. Your, your it does, it does seem so. I mean, my wife is, um, is, has was diagnosed with Parkinson's. Well, we knew probably it was Parkinson's last year, but the full diagnosis came with this year. And all the research I have been doing on Parkinson's this year all points to gut problems. <clears throat> yeah. The, the thing is, Paul, it doesn't actually matter where you're at with your health. It all comes back to your gut, whether it's skin health, whether it's your mental health, whether it's digestive issues, whether it's chronic disease of any kind, Alzheimer's, anything, it all comes back to your gut because 80% mm. of your immune system is in your gut. Your gut's all neurotransmitters are produced in your gut. Um, you know, you everything happens and it's like your gut's your second brain and it used to be thought that it was your brain telling your gut what to do it's the other way around well, I've heard, I have heard to... some say that we think we're a sentient being but actually we're just a con we're just a container for, for the for the for the real colony that lives inside well, us yes that is right we're actually more bacterial than we are human but you know the bacterial cells in our body outweigh the human ones by about 21 so yeah we totally are and again what we done what we have done is we're germophobic we're like let's kill all the bacteria <laughs> which is a really bad I, idea that, that does concern me actually. the 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 use of all this uh antibacterial and sprays everywhere yeah. it makes me do it does make me wonder are we breeding an egg superbug but yes uh, absolutely yeah and again i don't use antibac thing i use natural like kombucha for cleaning and whatever because what they, the, those things do is kill off 
bad bacteria but keep the good ones mm. what we're doing with the kills 99.9 percent .9 of bacteria we're destroying all the bacteria we have bacteria on our skin every surface of our body and they're there for a purpose to protect us and to keep us well and okay occasionally you'll get you know the, the bad ones creep in they're generally when you don't have enough of the good ones <laughs> and people that are you know, and kids, you know, using these antibac gels all the time, they're actually going to be um, decreasing their own immunity. And as you say, we're going to end up with superbugs. There's going to be, there already are bacteria that we have no antibiotics for, and there, there are going to be more of them. Um, because, as I say, we're, we're destroying all the good ones that would protect us. And the point of it is, as well, a lot of the good bacteria actually kill the bad ones. Mm. But we well, are just destroying all. I mean, but before antibiotics, people used to use bacterial phage, didn't they, or something? They used to do yeah, that. but again, soap and water, Paul. It must be me going back to being old, old fashioned. Good old fashioned soap and water works exactly the same, but it doesn't kill off all the protective bacteria on your skin. Ah, I mean, another okay. story is I, I've got incredibly sensitive skin. I have very good health. I really touch would have no health issues, but I don't take it for granted. I don't just presume, oh, I'm just lucky. I'm really healthy because I take steps every day to ensure that my health you know, stays as good as it as it can. Yeah. And I have issues with my skin. I've got incredibly sensitive skin. I can't use um, products with perfume or whatever. So I just don't, I mean, I, I can't use hair dye, so I have grey hair. It's like, so what? I'm ageing, it doesn't matter. No. And so many people I just hoodwinked into thinking that they need to use all these products that, you know, that ultimately are going to damage the health in the long term. There's a guy, actually, again, there's a guy who's developed, I think, a, a, a probiotic body wash and shampoo. Yeah, which is, which I'm contains, sure that's the next contains, big thing. Which contains no soap. And the whole yeah. idea of it is you just wash yourself down in this, thing, in this stuff. And, mm. uh, and what it was about, he, he stopped washing or something. For some reason, I can't remember the, for the reason. But this stuff stops. He doesn't produce any BO because he's got a natural yeah. balance of bacteria in his body. Yes. That's interesting because I use kombucha actually as a, a deodorant. What that does, or, or a, a part of a scoby, which is what you use to make kombucha, um, you, they're incredible things because they are antibacterial, antimicrobial, antifungal. They do so many things, but they're acidic. They're the same pH as your skin, so they don't strip all the natural oils off oh, your wow. skin. So I use like scoby face mask. I only use, I use all probiotic skincare. This is the next big thing, but I've been doing it for years. I use kefir for my skin. I use whey for my hair. I use um, scobies for my skin. Honestly, my skin's never been better. And I use all probiotics. So again, what I am doing is I'm supporting the mantle, the acid mantle of my skin, and I'm not damaging it. Mm -hmm. And what I'm doing is I'm supporting it. But again, this, this is going to be the next big thing. Oh, yeah, buy probiotic skincare. As I say, if you make kombucha, you will have scobies, which is a symbiotic culture of bacteria and yeast. It's a big blob. It looks a bit like a... Yeah, yeah. Like a well, I had one, but I killed, I killed it, unfortunately. Oh, well, 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 I mean, again, they are like wee pets. You do need to look after them. Mine all have names. Um, but I, I used to have so many um, because I used to run a lot of workshops on, you know, fermented drinks and stuff. And I had, I must have had about 10 different scobies at one point, all fermenting different things, all with names. So it just became a wee bit too much. So I've had to pare it back a wee bit. So I'll get rid of Tashi, my Tibetan scoby because I, I wasn't particularly keen on that uh, kombucha. But I've got a coffee kombucha. 
I, I do my green tea one. Uh, I've got. Um, so, what are the uh, names of your kombuchas then, of your scobies? Well, I used to have. Well, Tashi was my. He was my Tibetan scoby. I've got um, Rosie, who is my hibiscus scoby, who's a lovely rosy pink colour. Uh, I've got Jamie, who was my original Scottish scoby. <laughs> I've got that's my green tea one. I've got Carmen, the coffee scoby. I've got Lily, the June scoby. <laughs> I've got many. <laughs> Uh, and I've got wee hempy. He was my recent one. Wee hempy, the hemp scoby, because I make kombucha with the hemp tea. You know all the CBD stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. It's incredible. But hemp kombucha actually tastes amazing. Uh, and I buy the tea bags from Holden Barrett, and I just make up the hemp tea, uh, and I put a scoby in, uh, and just ferment it in for about four or five days. It's absolutely delicious. Oh gosh, gosh, you, you and yeah. I could get, I could get geeked out on this. I need to be really careful. <laughs> It's so much fun, and what I've done, oh, I've, I've made so many different things. I've also just put scobies into, like, um, I love foraging as well, so um, I got a load of elderflowers, and I made an elderflower syrup, sweetened it, and I just put a scoby in the, the with the syrup, so there was no tea involved in it at all, and it made the most intensely fantastic elderflower kombucha, and what I did with that is I froze it in ice cube trays and then I use it to flavour my green tea kombucha during the year. Um, if I just fancy some elderflower, I hit a elderflower. And again, you've got all the probiotic benefits in the kombucha as well. So you drink stuff that tastes absolutely amazing and you feel really smug knowing that it's doing you so much good as well. But again, as I say, I'm a science geek. So, I mean, for me, in my house and my kitchen's like the signs of stuff bubbling everywhere. I've got sourdough starters. I've got dairy kefir. I've got soy kefir. I've got all my kombuchas. I've got cupboards full of fermenting veggies. Um, so, uh, anyway, it's fantastic fun. And I, I get so excited about it because these foods are just incredible. Uh, and they're not new. They're nothing new. They've been around for hundreds of years, keeping people well. And again, in the meantime, what, what we, we most of the food we eat actually isn't, isn't even real food at all. It's so full of chemicals. It's been processed. Well, yeah, I guess if you've got to feed a lot of people, you've got to automate these processes. And I, and I think it would be quite difficult to do to, to what you yeah. do on a, on a commercial yeah. on a commercial basis. Because I've tasted commercial kombucha and it's, it tends to be a bit. It's nowhere near the same, Paul, honestly. Well, but that's... well, they've killed it, haven't they? What they do is they correct yes. it and then they kill everything in it to make to make it uh, pasteurise it, to make it safe. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly the point. And again, people go and buy jars of sauerkraut from the supermarket shelf thinking that they're going to it's probiotic and they're going to do themselves a lot of good. And most of the, if it's not in the chiller section and if it's not raw and organic, it doesn't have any live bacteria in it. So if you buy a big jar of sauerkraut, okay, it'll taste good. It's got fiber in it and it's got other stuff, but it has no live bacteria. And as you say, what we do, and this is the beauty of fermentation in the world of microbes this is the healthiest way to preserve food that's traditionally what it was for mm. it was to preserve you know dairy it was to preserve vegetables to see people through you know the winter or when you know when the food was scarce and it is the healthiest way to preserve anything and it's the only way of taking something and preserving it and you end up with something that is better than you started with what do we do? I agree we with take... that because as it says, yeah. I don't like radishes at all. I think they're the devil's food. And yeah, yeah I, I was in, in the in the summer. Uh, you suggested we make spicy radish bombs. Oh, the radish and, bombs! Yeah. And I made some, and they are 
excellent, I have to say. They, they're not radishes anymore. They are something No, else. they're fab. Do you like <laughs> Brussels sprouts? I tell you, fermented Brussels sprouts, that's quite a thing. <laughs> it's like, I made them last year and I, I made them smoke. I put chilli and, and some smoked salt. So how long do they take to make lot. these things? Are they, are they quick? Well, only about 10 days. Okay, so I've got enough time to make some before Christmas then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. And they, honestly, they're so... I mean, my husband hates Brussels sprouts. He hates them. But anyway, he he doesn't like the fermented ones. But I, I made them and I thought, do you know what? They're actually quite delicious. Slice them up and add them to your salads and, oh, make potato salad with your sliced fermented sprout. They're so nice. And again, all you need is a glass jar and some salt. So it's not that you have to go and spend a load of money buying all sorts mm. of fancy equipment. You really don't. So that's my passion is to try and explain, show people how simple it is to actually make these fantastic life affirming living foods at home. You've created a business around this, haven't you? Is it? Is it? Is it? A, yes. What is? What is it that you bring to people? How does it work? What do you do? Well, what, well, what I was doing before the whole COVID thing, I started off after I did the macrobiotic. I started off a blog, and it was really just to share recipes and plant based food. And then I started as doing more of all the fermented stuff. And then I started doing Instagram, and that just became a thing. I was so enthused by the whole thing, I just couldn't get enough of fermenting everything. So pretty much everything I do is from is probiotic or prebiotic. Right. And I started running workshops. Um, just to share with people, you know, how simple it is to, and more to the point as well, was to let people try how amazing these foods actually taste. Because the thing is, if pe people are scared of bacteria, we've discussed that already. So if you think, oh, I'm fermenting something at home, people have no idea what it tastes like, what it's supposed to taste like. Have they done it right? Have they done it wrong? You know, and there's that fear around it. And also, we tend well, we've, to go we've between... been told if it's mouldy, it's, it's mouldy, it needs to be chucked out, haven't we? We've been yeah, told that I know. that's what we've been instructed that you know things have well, okay. gates and you know. Well, okay, I wouldn't eat food that was mouldy particularly, but you know, I'm, I'm making tempeh at the moment, which is made with a mould. Whereas most of the things I do is bacteria that are doing the fermentation, but um, a tempeh, you need a tempeh starter. It's a fermented soy bean, but it's actually a mould that you use. Um, but again, that's how cheese, you know, mouldy cheese, you know, but, but these things, mouldy, if you have cheese that's made, you know, and it's fermented properly and it's not pasteurized, that mm. is probiotic because miso that's is still the same, isn't it? I mean, miso is a well, yeah. well long process, a couple of, it's almost like 18 month process or something. Like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and then miso, wrapping uh -huh. and all that. Amazing. Well, I I watched a someone, lot of yeah, I watched someone make um make uh, uh, making um soya sauce, you know, sort of like making these these yeah. bricks of soya, letting them to go moldy in the side of, for months and then oh gosh, what a journey. And then that with like then you that with a bottle of soya sauce about this sauce, about yeah, like you well. know, about the size of my fist. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't have the patience for that, to be honest, Paul. So I, the longest I've ever fermented anything is I had a big crock of sauerkraut and I, I fermented it for um, six months just to see what it takes. But it was too sour and it was too, too mushy, so I didn't really like it. So again, you know, that's the other thing is being able to show people things and let them try things at different stages. Because again, there's like no right or wrong when you ferment things. Mm -hmm. You're working with living organisms that are affected by the temperature, by the quality of the stuff that you're using. So it's not like a recipe and I say to you, oh, it's fine, ferment it for exactly five days and that will be right. It's a personal thing. You know, I had a so German can... friend years ago. Uh, I, mean, I mean, he was talking, you know, wartime. I mean, his family made sauerkraut in the garden they had a, a, a bin that was sunk yeah. into the ground and literally yeah. every, every year there was a tradition where they cut up cabbage and chucked it in the bin 
Yeah, but that's wonderful because again, as I say, I mean traditionally, again, people used to do it in their in their big cold cellars and yeah. big barrels because that's what sustained them through the winter. That's right. They yeah, had one, they started, and then they, they did another one the next year. They just they just yeah, lived, and they just went out to the garden and got up piled yeah. out, and that was it. It was in in this thing in the garden on the, in, uh, in the that's ground. Fantastic. I'd be a bit worried that worms and things get in it. But anyway, I'm sure if it was in a big container, it'd be okay. I'm sure they had it work, worked out. But, you know, it's like, I guess it had to live outside. They didn't have anywhere to keep it inside, I guess, and keep it cold. Yeah, but again, as I say, yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Because not everybody has. I mean, I've got a fridge full of ferments. I mean, in my, I've got a separate fridge for all my fermented stuff. I mean, I'm totally obsessed by it. But I wouldn't expect. But the problem is that it is very addictive. So once people used to start coming to one workshop, say they would come to fermenting veggies, they would then want to come to a kombucha workshop, then they would want to come to a sourdough workshop, and then they would want to come to the probiotic skincare one, because it's that, it gets you quite excited so and enthused. What happened? I mean, what kind of things has happened to people since they started using these things? Have you any stories of that oh. sort of stuff? Yeah, oh, incredible stories. Yeah, people with gut issues, people with um, uh, like terrible uh, heartburn and digestion, people with skin issues, um, people with chronic fatigue, people, really anything, Paul, to be honest. And again, this is my thing that I say to people all the time. It doesn't matter where you're at with your health. You can always improve it. Mm. And again, you know, don't just believe if you're given a diagnosis mm. and told, oh, there's nothing you can do. That is not true at all. Because again, the majority of your health is coming from your gut. Your gut is um, your gut microbes and your gut. There's trillions of them. They only work on your behalf if you feed them. You need to be eating fiber and lots of different types of fiber. And for your gut, it's all about diversity. It's not about, oh, I eat five a day and I eat the same five every week. Yeah, it's not about that. And what they're discovering now is there's more and more and more research about the gut is that they all prefer slightly different. There are trillions of these bacteria. They do all sorts of wonderful things to keep as well. Um, you know, is that I get rid of um, the bad guys, you know, if there's any like rogue cells that could turn cancerous. If you've got the right balance of microbes in your gut, they'll make sure that they don't turn cancer, they'll get rid of them. Uh, and it's the same, as I say, with anything else, COVID as well. I mean, your immune system is there to keep you well, to fight off bacteria, yeah. viruses. Yeah. to recognize threats in your body when something isn't right. Uh, you know, and again, to me, I look at it as like having a wee army in my gut all doing their own wee jobs. You've got ones that are planting seeds. You've got ones that are the bouncers that are getting rid of the bad guys. You've got the, the wee guys all communicating with your immune system, telling your immune system when it's time to get the big guns out, here's a problem, or stand down. It's, it's not a problem. It's only gluten or something, but... These days, are so many people have chronic problems that they don't understand or realise that a lot of the foods that they're eating are causing more problems for them. And they I don't have a massive issues around the guts that leaky guts that, that allow yeah. things out through the wall, and then yes. those things, those foods that get out into the bloodstream, become an enemy, and they look very much so they get attacked. Yes, that's right, Paul. But here's the cool thing. In your gut, if you have leaky gut, your gut lining's damaged. Your gut lining is a very thin layer of cells. If you have the right balance of microbes in your gut, you've got these butyrate-producing microbes. They produce butyrate, which is a short-chain fatty acid, which heals your gut lining. It will heal your gut lining. But if you don't have these guys in your gut producing this butyrate, your gut lining won't heal 
a quick story just to tell you about the whole leaky gut gut thing. And again, there's been a massive influx of people that think, oh, I can't eat gluten. Um, and again, why is gluten, you know, such an issue? And so many people switch from eating, you know, like normal bread, which they can't eat. They go and buy gluten-free stuff. Now, a lot of the gluten-free um, process it's just full of emulsifiers all sorts of crap there's no nutrition in it and what has come to light now is there are two emulsifiers that are used all the time in gluten-free foods polysorbate 80 and carboxymethyl cellulose and both of those emulsifiers have been scientifically proven in the lab to damage your gut so oh, if yeah. you have a damaged gut honestly if you have a damaged gut and you're eating gluten-free stuff with emulsifiers in it that's going to further damage your gut so there, um, there's one so problem, much stuff. solve one problem to create another, eh? That's, that's exactly that, that's it. So, again, that's a human response to something. <laughs> no, but again, the thing is, Paul, people are not given the right information. You no. know, people think they're making a good choice. And okay, yeah. if you've got a problem with gluten, I've had so many people that have come along to my sourdough workshops and said, oh, I can't eat gluten, I've got a real problem. And I'm like, that. well, okay, if you make sourdough, unless it's a wheat, if, you've, if you're celiac and you have a real problem with wheat, then absolutely not. But the number of people that have come along that have tried sourdough and had absolutely zero digestive issues at all because sourdough is slowly... Um, fermented, the bacteria break down a lot of the problem stuff, and it's a whole different thing. It's high in resistant starch, it's food for your gut bacteria, mm -hmm. uh, and you, I know you make your own sourdough as well, Paul. It's a, game, it's a game changer to switch from supermarket bread, and if you look at a label in the supermarket, about 20 different things in it. Preservatives, no, my, my, additives. My sourdough game is a bit, a bit off at the moment. I'm not actually, my sourdough game is definitely a bit off at the moment. Oh, do you know what, though? It goes and fits and starts. And sometimes I feel, too, that, I mean, I, of November, I didn't really do that much myself. But you soon get back into the swing of it mm. when the time's right. And to me, there's no joy more than making sourdough. I make mine in my Dutch oven with a lid on. So when you take it out of the oven and you lift the lid off and you've got a beautiful loaf, it's like one of life's simple pleasures is making oh, and gosh, eating sourdough. Not, I need to be careful because I'm going to get geeked out. I need to be careful. I, 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 this, this conversation, we're going completely the wrong direction. <laughs> okay so no it's fine it's fine it's fine i love this conversation I, and i because i am i i love cooking and i love and i love bread and i love making bread yeah. so i can really get into this so look i mean i need to drag us back on back onto target a little bit i know yeah. what success means to you success is obviously a kitchen full of bubbling stuff and people eating your food but i mean do, do, is, yeah. is, is there more to it than that well no i think success to me is just actually feeling valued Yes. And getting, you know, and being recognised um, for the work that you do yeah. and being recognised for someone who, you know, knows what they're talking about or someone who, you know, is has knowledge. And it, it, I think for me, it's just that sort of feeling valued. And I, the thing is, I do feel valued because I continually get feedback yeah. from people about, oh, I feel so much better. Thanks for the advice. Thanks for showing me this. You know, and again, people, you know, resolve all sorts of health issues through just thinking a wee bit more about what they're eating and trying to get some of these loving foods into their life. Mm. So yeah, that to me would be success. Um, yeah. That clearly is. And your contribution to the world, no doubt, is changing the world. Oh, well, I would love to get Scotland as a nation of fermenters, Paul. That's what I would love. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, we grow cabbages year round here. Scottish people love salt. Everyone's got a glass jar. Why are we not all making sauerkraut? <laughs> I would love to be, honestly, 
And that, that again, I have various friends who are doctors, you know, and GPs, and I've said, oh, I wish I could get you to come in and show people how to make sauerkraut. So it's like, no, sorry, today we're not handing out antibiotics today. We're having a sauerkraut workshop. You're going to go and learn how to make sauerkraut, which is going to improve your health on so many levels. And it's really easy. <laughs> and it's cheap. Like, is, it, is it a quick, quick, quick sauerkraut? It's just chopped cabbage, bit of salt, yeah. Yeah, Done. I do a simple one. Usually what I'll do is, that's a bit plain for me, I've put some caraway seeds in, a couple of grated apples. Um, yeah, But again, it's so simple. And, and it's is it, is it water or you just put salt? No, water? no, no, you just do salt. It's just salt. You have to massage the cabbage, which is actually great fun. It's quite mindful. You sprinkle your salt on the cabbage. You have to get the right, you need about 2% salt, so about the right level of salt. Um, weigh your cabbage, add 2% salt, massage it all. I've got a YouTube channel um, with exactly how to make it, Paul, all the steps, because people are concerned that they're not doing it right or you know, they're yeah, going to poison themselves. Nobody has ever died from eating fermented veggies. It is the safest way to preserve food. But the idea of putting some apple in it, oh, I'm getting geeked again. You're doing this to me again, Janice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> grated apples or a pear. A grated pear is very nice and served, right? But see, when you make it yourself, Paul, you can do all sorts of variations on the oh. theme. I make all sorts of different crowds. I do from with stuff, um, crowds with wild crowd, with fermented stuff um, in it, mugwort, nettle seeds, um, flowers. I did a dandelion and mustard one last spring, which was gorgeous with dandelion flowers in it. But you can do all sorts once you get the basics right. That's the fun of doing it yourself at home. You can put in what you like. You know, as mm. you say, when you buy stuff that's processed, you know, that's it's all processed, it's pasteurized, and you, you've only got a limited choice. Yeah. When you do it yourself, you've got a massive choice. You can make whatever you like. You can. You can absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah use yeah, what's in yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I do, I do all sorts of stuff. For that. Yeah, so but that, that to me, I, I'm a bit like you in that respect. Is I, I like to yeah. experiment with food. Yeah. So obviously, the contribution to the world, by the sounds of it, is changing the world by through fermentation. By the sounds of it. Yeah, it actually, to be honest as well, Paul, it's actually getting people to understand that they have got control over their own health. And so many people don't get the link or they think it doesn't matter what I do. The number of times I've been told people with cancer and they've been told it doesn't matter what you eat. It doesn't matter. You need to put weight on. Just go and eat donuts and cakes and drinks, sugary drinks. And it is just wrong on every level. So for me, it's actually getting people to understand that they can take back some power they have power to to change i mean we all have the power to decide what <clears throat> what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink yeah yeah, yeah. and when and it that comes is, back is, to it, that, unfortunately the culture or i mean the world has got to the point where it's like we eat what we eat and then just go to the doctor to be fixed we think that yes it's a bit like you know open the bonnet up and get me fixed so i can go back and do what i was doing before that's exactly right. But again, as I say, you know, the, the food industries, and as I say, I know a lot about food because I worked, you know, with various food companies. Food industry are not interested in your health. They want to sell you stuff, right? So again, it's like you'll, you'll notice now there's a massive, oh, free from in the supermarket, oh, free from. You could get a bag of sugar and put on it free from fat, free from cholesterol, free from what, and people think, oh, great, I'll buy that because that's the power of advertising. And real food and the powerful stuff, real food that is never advertised because that's all your fruit, all your vegetables, all the whole grains, all the living foods, they're not advertised because who's going to make money from them? Apart from the people I do what I, 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 I want. I mean, obviously I live up in the north of Scotland and you, you, know, you live in Glasgow, but I mean, yeah. you know, I, I do wander around the supermarket at times, around the, around the veg section and go, 
what's new what can i what can i try because it's like there's yeah. doesn't seem a great deal of you know I, and i don't know it's true i i have this sense that if you go into the food markets in europe there's a lot more variety and i maybe I'm just, maybe i'm just yeah. dreaming that there is no you're not there absolutely that's one thing that i have so missed as you've been able to go because for when we go on holiday that is the first thing we do is find the local market and we go and check out everything and that is the flavor that you get and the variety mm-hmm. that you get and the thing is, in, in most of the countries in, in Europe, they grow all their own. There's, all the stuff is grown fairly locally. We import so much stuff, but we actually also grow a lot of stuff here as well. And again, I think there's been a, a big um, interest in people getting veg boxes. And, and if you do that, if you get a delivery with a veg box, you will get what's in season. So yeah, but again, and- but it's still it'll still be the same stuff. It'll still be carrots. It will still be you know, yeah. it will still be the things that we all recognise. It's it's these unusual foods that I like to see that that are really yeah, different. I mean, the thing I tried this year was <clears throat> I had a <clears throat> a bag of peas peas that were um bag of pea seeds that were like they're yeah. in my garage. I've been there for ages, and I thought to myself, I wonder yeah. if they'll sprout. So I just literally just chucked oh yeah. Them. And they did. Wow. And the idea was I would like eat the pea sprouts. My God, they're oh, amazing. Yeah. They're amazing. Oh, they're so good. Yeah, yeah. Like, they just taste like peas. It's like, you know, it's a, it's a, a three inch piece of green that you stick on a salad. And we were fighting um, over them here. Like there weren't that many of them. <laughs> but the thing is that that's a living food as well, because when you look at a seed, a seed has everything needed to grow yeah. in a huge plant. I used to do workshops for kids and show them like sunflower seeds. Right, you know the size of a massive sunflower? You look at the size of a sunflower seed, it's got everything required to grow into a massive sunflower. All it needs then is some sunshine, some water. And so all the seeds, when seeds sprout, all of that nutrition becomes bioavailable. Your body mm. can use it. So sprouting anything is a fantastic idea because mm. it releases all of that nutrition and <clears throat> your body can use it. In the same way that fermented foods are pre-digested, the bacteria have broken down a lot of the problem stuff. Ah, so your body of work to do. <clears throat> that's quite it's clever. The same with sprouts. And that's the thing, because a lot of foods that people eat are very difficult to digest. Mm-hmm. And also a lot of people don't realise that <clears throat> your body needs to use a lot of energy to, to digest food, especially if you're eating processed foods and lots of meat. And, you know, that takes a long time for your body to digest. Yeah, and if course. your health is not ideal then what you should be doing is eating foods that are simple for your body to digest so your body has more energy to do all the maintenance and repair stuff and that's the thing you know that so many people don't understand that they eat the same foods that cause inflammation i mean there are loads of foods that are great foods but they don't suit everyone that's when it comes back down to this is not health and well-being and it's not a one-size-fits-all thing and nor is diet because there are a lot of people that react really badly to the nightshades, which are tomatoes, potatoes, peppers, people with arthritis, a lot of people with skin conditions. Mm. These foods, much as they're really good foods, they actually continue to cause low-grade inflammation. And a lot of people are not aware of that. And they keep eating them and thinking, oh, I don't feel great or I've got brain fog or my joints are a bit sore. And <clears throat> people don't relate it to mm. what they're actually putting into their body on in a, in a daily basis. And again, people think, okay, some people are allergic to things like nuts and they'll have guinty anaphylactic shock if they eat them. But there are so many foods that cause low-grade inflammation in people that can then, if you don't address it, then that can actually cause you a, a chronic health problem further down the line. Wow. Wow. So much, so much. I mean, obviously there's so much to discuss here and yet we don't, we only obviously have a, have to kind of curtail, curtail our conversation a little bit. Otherwise, otherwise... Yeah. 
I, as I said, I get geeked out again. So is there a question that I should have asked you that I didn't ask you? Uh, well, the question I do like to be asked all the time is when people ask me a lot, does it actually matter what I eat? You know, can I, can I do anything about my health? And, and people mm. with all sorts of different conditions, and it's always like, yeah, absolutely. The one thing, though, that bothers me is people looking for someone else to give them the answer. We have something called our gut intuition, you have to sometimes think, okay, what feels right to me? And, and to find your own way. It's like your own personal jigsaw of bits. It's like nobody else knows what that is. Nobody else can tell you, you know, okay, people can give you some advice, but ultimately it has to come down to yourself. So I would say, as I say, I love when people ask me questions about, you know, foods or is this food good or is that food? There's no such thing really because we're all individual. Our gut microbes are our fingerprints, you know, but there are no two of us who are the well, same. We're all a unique, we're all a genetic experiment, aren't we? I mean, that's what yes. we are, because, you know, we're a genetic yeah. experiment from our parents. And, and, and yeah, that's exactly. It. And, and, you know, we, yeah. and so I guess we're all different in that respect. We are all different. And that's a really fascinating thing, because mm. there's no, no two people will have the same balance of gut microbes. So that's really quite fascinating. Okay, so I realised that, you, you obviously, you know, uh, prior to COVID, you were you were running workshops this and the other. So you've obviously had to change your pattern and what you do. And I know you've written a book or a couple of books that oh, are available. Yes, uh, yes um, you've been challenged for years to write a book and not going, but you finally put a, an ebook together for people. Yeah, well, I've actually I actually put two ebooks together this year. I did one which was called uh, Good Mood Food for Families, uh, and again, it's to trying to get kids to eat better foods, but it's just all really healthy, delicious foods like. Yeah fruit leathers and you know wee jellies and different types of things that are good for everyone and my one that I've done for now is called celebration so it's just in, in, a, in my life food is a cause for celebration it really is yeah uh, and good food it's not just about it's Christmas it's festive good food should be a celebration all times um, of the year so I put together a really lovely wee book with some um, gift ideas in it because going to the shops is not fun anymore so no. there's loads of lovely edible gift ideas from chocolate to chutneys even vegan dog biscuits in it um lovely wee inspiring quotes and wee positive um things just to uplift people it's just been a year full of negative stuff and again there's loads of lovely recipes in it they're all vegan to be honest they're all plant-based but they're all absolutely delicious so even if you're a meat eater it doesn't mean you can't try something different and those are on your websites and they're not on my website actually i've got them on um i've shared both of them on my um Instagram and Facebook page. Okay, so the link for those so I, the, those books are available to buy. They're not they're not they're not free books. They are. They're not free books. They're actually ten pounds to download yeah. because of so, what I've done. I had to cancel all my workshops this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and I do actually get that. I mean, I, I share loads of stuff for free. There's loads yeah. of recipes. You can subscribe to my blog and I share recipes and all sorts of things. Um, but as I say, this was... Um, I, 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 think, I think I know I know the level of skill you have and I know what, you, what, your, what you, your recipes are like. And I've tried a few of them. These books mm -hmm. are well worth the money, the investment. So do check out. The links will be in the show notes above and the links will also be at Life, Passion and Business and, and everywhere else. So do check out the links of those books because I think you'll be amazed, amazed, amazed if you start cooking from these from these recipes. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it introduces a whole new world of yeah. flavours. It really does. 
So uh, your uh, Instagram page, where is that one? What, what will they have? Oh, it's called, um, I'm on Instagram. Uh, it's Be Nourished by Nature. So it's just Be Nourished by Nature. I have a Facebook page called Nourished by Nature UK. And I have a blog called Blog Nourished by Nature. Um, so uh, that's the three. I don't actually have a website. I have a blog instead because I started doing all of this really just kind of part time and it's just kind of snowballed a wee bit and then it's totally stalled because of covid so uh, it's all good it's all good you people can reach out to you they'll find you they'll find you they'll find you so look janice thank you so much for for this it's been lovely to have a conversation with you but now we get to that big question the one question that as humans we all have to come up with an answer what is the meaning of life for you for me i think it's just about enjoying simple pleasures Paul, it really is. It's about getting back to basics. It's about enjoying nature. It's about being kind. It's about, yeah, just enjoying life. But for me, as I say, I'm really quite old fashioned and I don't really, you know, I don't strive for loads of things. I just want to enjoy my life, to tread lightly on the planet, to appreciate nature, to look after the body that I've been given uh, to the best of my ability and to just communicate and share you know with people so for me life is just simple I'm a simple person well not simple in terms of but I don't really have any great ambitions to do things I have an old camper van which sadly went fire this year so just getting away and getting away for an adventure you know to go and enjoy the beautiful scenery you're so lucky that you live up north Paul we're a bit obviously in Glasgow but just enjoying simple things and as I get older I'm going to be 60 next uh, week which I'm actually going to cancel because this year hasn't counted so I'm just going to stay 59 because I can't even go anywhere so it's just being able to enjoy and again health is at the root of everything for me Paul is that if you don't enjoy if you don't have good health then everything else is not you can't enjoy it to the same level Um, so I'm incredibly fortunate as I say that I've you know that I am where I am and again it's a continual thing because no one knows what tomorrow brings so it's just to be present enjoy and be grateful for where you're at and don't ever accept if someone tells you something, if you're told something, doctor, medical, whatever else, and told there's nothing you can do, don't believe them. Well, Janice Klein, thank you so much for your time today. It has been a pleasure to talk to you. I really thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. Yeah, great to talk to you, Paul. And that was Life, Passion and Business with Paul Harvey and my guest, Janice Klein. So do check out the Celebration Cookbook. You can find the links in the show notes or at the website. You can also find Janice at the website www.blognourishedbynature.com. Details in the show notes. She's on Facebook, Nourished by Nature UK, and on Instagram, Be Nourished by Nature. Hopefully you have been following this podcast for a while and have explored the five questions for yourself. But if not, what's stopping you? You know, after hundreds of interviews, I can say with a hand on my heart that having answers to the questions about our passion, a picture of success, an awareness of contribution, thoughts around the one question and a sense of what it all means, that is the path to a good life. Now look, you don't need me to tell you that our world is changing faster than at any other time, certainly any time I can remember. And we must be sure to know who we are and what we want out of this journey, because we will not get it unless we choose it. So please give it some thought, because 
you know, your future depends on it. And if you'd like some help with that process, do check out the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com where you will find the five questions ebook and worksheets. Now, this stuff is packed with exercises to help you on the journey towards self-discovery. And it's at the amazing price of just $12.99. So do check that out at the resources tab at lifepassionandbusiness.com. Now, finally, has this podcast been useful to you? If so, please consider giving us a five-star review on the app of your choosing and, of course, sharing it with a friend because that's how people like yourself find good podcasts. And that's it from me until Sunday. As always, thank you so much for being here with me on this journey. I so appreciate your time and attention. I'll catch you next time. All the best. Bye.